So, I mean, for me, it was, I found success and I had success with uh, IVF. And, you know, I, the, the hardest thing for me to hear was when people were trying, I know that they meant well, and they were trying to be nice to me. The hardest thing to hear is it'll happen when it happens. Try not to stress or um, it's, it's um, divine timing, trust God's plan. Like those ones were hard for me to hear because I, I never understood why me. Like, mm-hmm. so it was just kind of like, why, why could, why wouldn't I be able to get pregnant, you know, or why, why isn't this the right time? You're listening to Breaking the Ice Podcast, a podcast that I created in 2020 to connect women within the hockey world. My name's Devin Dodero, my husband's Charlie Dodero, and we've played literally all over the world. We have two kids, two dogs, and let's just say hockey has taken my world by storm. What I've learned is that this community and these experiences are very specific, and you should not have to go through this alone. Through this podcast, I share the tools, resources, do's, don'ts, and what's helped me along the way while continuing to learn from each and every one of you. So lace them up and tune in for episodes twice a month. And make sure to follow the page on Instagram at Breaking the Ice Pod. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Breaking the Ice. Happy you're here today, as always. If you are new here, this is a podcast that I created for wives and girlfriends of professional hockey players and also wives and girlfriends of coaches, professional hockey players, or people that are just simply interested in the lifestyle. And this podcast and this platform have completely transformed my life and this experience in this hockey world. It's a very tight-knit community. We all lean on each other so very much. I'm really proud of this podcast and this platform, and I truly appreciate the friendships and the conversations that take place within it. It really has impacted my experience going through all of the hard times for the better. For those that might not know me, my name is Devin. I always just like to reintroduce myself or every so often. My husband plays professional hockey in Europe. We have been pretty much all over the world. We played in North America for several seasons. And then when we came over to Europe, we've been in Sweden, Austria, France, and now we are in Ljubljana, Slovenia. Next season is TBD. Our season here ends in a couple short weeks, um, and I will be flying back to Idaho, where we live in the off season with my two children, my two dogs. Pray for us all. Every Sunday, if you follow my Instagram page, we do a community check-in, and these community check-ins give me life. They are so validating to all of our experiences, I think, and everybody that follows along, I feel like you will find something that someone shares every week that you can identify with. And a reoccurring theme that keeps coming up is the topic of IVF and fertility. And this is a really important topic to discuss, not only in general, but also within our hockey community. I think there's a lot of aspects of experiencing IVF and infertility that Sometimes the lifestyle that we live can make it more challenging to go through it in certain ways. Like if you're living away from home and you're having to go through IVF in a different country 
or your timing just isn't working out or you're just visiting or you're going home. Like there's just so many moving parts. And so I really love having these conversations because I know that it is helpful to other women in this community. Um, I've had a few different IVF episodes now and they are honestly some of my most downloaded episodes, which makes me so happy because every woman that you talk to either knows someone that's gone through infertility struggles or has gone through that themselves. And so I just love that we're all tuning in as well to get a better understanding of the topic and also learning how to support someone that might be going through this. Today on the podcast, I have Haley Palve joining me and I am so excited. Haley has been on the podcast before and I'll also link her past episode in the show notes, as well as the other IVF episodes that I've had on. And I knew I wanted to do another IVF episode soon, and I knew that she was going through a journey with her fertility. She is now pregnant with a baby girl after going through IVF. So happy for her. And I just really wanted her to come on and share her experience. Many, many moons ago, Haley and her identical twin sister were on The Bachelor, And she has built this platform on social media over the years. And I truly admire her for sharing about her fertility journey and her struggles on her platform because it really helps other people feel less alone in these struggles. So Haley, thank you so much for coming on Breaking the Ice and just being so open and so vulnerable And we also had a lot of laughs and it was just a really great conversation, great episode. And I know that you guys will love it. I know I say you guys are going to love it every time, but it's just so true. Every guest is so amazing. I am just honored for everyone that comes on the podcast that they're just taking time out of their busy schedules to join me in conversation. So if you are listening to the podcast today, I would love you to share it to your story. Again, this is just such an easy, free way to support this community, this podcast, allowing other people to find and listen to episodes. So thank you for being here. Thank you for the continuous support. It's what keeps me going. It's what keeps me recording and just sharing with this community. Yay. Well, I'm excited that you're here. For those that are listening, Haley and I recorded a podcast of Breaking the Ice. I was trying to think when it was. I think it was like three years ago, which is crazy. It was three years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And my gosh, time flies. But we've just kind of stayed in touch and I've loved following your journey through hockey life and now your journey to becoming pregnant with baby girl, which we're obviously going to get into all of that today. So anyway, welcome. And I'm excited that you're Thank here. You. Yeah, Thanks for having me. I'm excited. It's been so long. <laughs> I know. Well, for those that might not know about you, um, I'd love for you to just give like a little intro about yourself, your husband, what's going on with you guys, where you're at in the world right now. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I haven't introduced myself in so long. Um, okay. My name is Haley Palve. I'm 31 years old. Um, my husband is currently playing hockey in Finland. He's Finnish. So we're in like his home country. Um, 
And we were in Sweden last year. So it, Finland and Sweden are very similar to me. Like they feel like the same country basically. And I don't, I hope I don't offend anybody when I say that like Swedish people are Finnish people, but it, as an American, it, it's a, feels very similar for me. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yes. And you guys have been, you've been over there longer this season more than any other seasons, right? Like for an extended period of time. Yeah, I usually will do um I usually will come like for like three months and then I'll travel back home and then I come for three months and then I'll travel back home but this year well last year I stayed the longest because we were in the midst of trying to naturally get pregnant so I stayed for quite a long time last season and this season is really short actually because I'm only here for my second trimester because I need to get back home before I hit my third trimester because my doctors want me back because I'm considered high risk from IVF I think I've told you this before, but the IVF episodes that I've done have been some of the most downloaded episodes of all really? of my podcast. Yeah. And I, I guess I was just naive to the fact that that would happen. And I was just, mm. it really showed me that this community really needs that to be talked about because I think with hockey, especially there's like a whole nother element and layer added on to, if you are going through IVF, like there's just so many moving parts that you have to consider and like you said, like you had to stay longer last season because you guys were trying to conceive naturally. Plus yeah. you, know, you guys being separated for certain parts of that journey. So I kind of want to start back at the beginning um, and just kind of start off talking about like when you guys first started trying to conceive up until like when you started to realize like, oh, there might be a problem here. Like there might be something going on that's preventing this happening. So I think when we first met each other, we were a little bit older um, and then we got married and Ola was 30 and I was 29 and I, we both knew we wanted a family. So I think we got the question a lot of like when we want to have kids and when we want to start trying. And, and we had discussed that we were going to start trying after we got married. And I think um, I didn't want to put too much pressure on it. So I always would just tell people, oh, it'll happen when it happens or like, we'll see what happens, but we're not in a rush or whatever. And at the time, like, seriously, we weren't in a rush. Like, I just wanted to obviously see what was going to happen. And so after our wedding, we, I think we tried that following month and then, um, and then he, and then he went to Sweden in August and we started trying like immediately after that and a month after month, it just wasn't happening. And I think it was 10 months of trying to conceive. I came back home for my sister's baby shower and I was like, I need to get checked. Like there's something wrong. I just had this gut feeling that something was wrong. Take all the water breaks. You need. <laughs> if you have I'm, to gonna, I'm to super out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> if you have to pee, like go. <laughs> yeah. So I think... You never think it's going to be you. You never think it's going to happen to you. I've had super consistent regular periods. My ovulation was super consistent. I had been tracking it for a year prior to getting pregnant. And I never noticed that anything was wrong. My pain, my periods were not painful. I never had any indicators of like, you could be infertile. But like, I read this thing that like one in eight couples struggle with infertility. So I mean, like, if you think about a hockey team, and all the girls like that are on the team, you line up eight of those girls, one of those girls is going to have infertility problems. And that's a lot of girls, you know, like that or couples. I don't want to specifically say girls, because sometimes it can be the male end. But for me, it was it was my problem. 
I do you feel like you've experienced any like shame or guilt with that because I feel like I've heard that from people a lot oh my gosh like I I'm usually a very positive happy-go-lucky person and I think when I was struggling with infertility I was the closest to being depressed that like you could be like I didn't want I didn't I won't don't want to self-diagnose myself but I was in a really dark place and I was you know I think the hardest part is Ola wants to be a dad and I was like oh my gosh am I never going to be able to give this to him you know like mm. it was one of those things and you feel like as a woman it should be the one thing that you should be able to do is get pregnant mm-hmm. yeah that's <sighs> really, really hard and to, breathe. <laughs> <laughs> to go through that month after month too and just getting the same result you know is I'm sure a very discouraging feeling Um, and something I, I also want to applaud you for is obviously you have a platform, you were on the bachelor and you've built that over the years after that. And I really think it's amazing that you're sharing about this on your platform and in the hard parts too, like you're really emotional in some of the videos. And I just think that is so great that you're spreading awareness about this and also normalizing it because I do think a lot of people feel a lot of shame and guilt and like taboo and they don't really realize that it's actually really common. Like, I think every woman can say that they know someone that has struggled to get pregnant or has gone through IVF. So for sure. Um, Thank you so much for that. I think uh, I would initially, I was really scared to start sharing because I would start like filming videos. And I think the first thing I posted was like a TikTok of like, cause there was this like trending TikTok of like everyone announcing their pregnancy in 2023. And they're like, I guess it's my turn. And then there's like, there was a sound that's like, they went like, I guess it's my turn to share my announcement, but it was just like, no, a bunch of negative pregnancy tests. So I, um, I filmed that and like, it just picked up a lot of like, a lot of people were like super supportive of it. And then, so after I was so nervous to post that video, but then it got so much good feedback. I was like, okay, maybe this is something that people would be interested in. And so I would start filming like videos. I'm like, I can't share this. I can't share this. And I held on to a lot of videos that I've actually never shared or like, Mm -hmm. and like that I just kept to myself. And I was just like, oh no, it just didn't feel right. And then when I, cause I, I think women too, like, you start trying and like you're six months in and you're like, Oh no, I shouldn't be freaking out. Like I've only been trying for six months, but like those six months and like seeing a negative test for those six tries is so disappointing when it's something that you really want. And so I don't think that there's like, whether you've been trying for six months or, you know, six years, like it's still a disappointment and it's still sad. And Um, you know, I, I think it's something that a lot of women struggle with. And I think another thing too, that I want to point out is I think there's like this stigma, this like behind being infertile that people are like, you just need to relax. Like it'll happen. Like, but, but it's like you, like, it's a medical diagnosis. Like I've been diagnosed with infertility, you know, like it's, it's not just because I was so stressed or I was had all these, like, like I was blocking it from coming in. Like, no, like there's medical diagnosis, like for being infertile. Mm-hmm. That must've been challenging too, like sharing on social media because you are putting yourself out there to get feedback. I mean, that's like what social media is when you're an influencer and like people probably giving you all of their opinions and feedback on like 
And, and, and like what you said, like the toxic positivity, it's like, okay, I don't need to hear that. Like everything's going to be all right because like, I have a feeling that it's not. So I'm going to move forward right. and figure out what's going on. It's brave of you to put that out there because again, when you're already in like a dark place, opening yourself up to receiving comments that could potentially like, you know, set you over the edge, I guess would be really hard. How did you handle comments from people were they mainly positive or did you feel like you let sometimes it get to you gosh I mean like uh, for the most part I would say it's it's always been very positive like people just encourage like encouraging words or sweet kind things or like sharing their experience and their story how it's been successful for them but I mean there's always those people that are like oh it's it's God's timing when it's meant to be it'll be but it's like why wouldn't God choose me like why not me like I feel like I would be a wonderful mother. So like, why isn't the timing right for me? So I think it's a really, um, that's a sensitive thing for people going through infertility. They're like, oh, well, when the timing's right, it's going to happen. But it's not something you think about before you are struggling with infertility. Like I probably have said some insensitive things to people trying to conceive or like, when do you plan to have another baby? When do you want to get pregnant? Now I know better, like not to yes. ask that. I know. I know. And I think it's hard because people just want to make like conversation with you, you know, but right. then they realize that like that can be really triggering when you are trying to have a baby and you're not getting the result that you want. When you guys realize that like, okay, something's off here. What were the steps that you took to start to figure out what was going on? The first thing I did is I, once I came home from Sweden, I went to a fertility clinic and I got a bunch of testing done, just like super basic. I got my blood drawn. I had an ultrasound and, um, I think that that was kind of just like the first step and immediately came back with the low ovarian reserve. So that was like the first kind of sign that like, it, it might be more difficult for me to get pregnant. Does that mean that I could never get pregnant on my own? No but um, it just would make it harder. So they were like, you know, the average female takes about six months to a year to get pregnant. And they said with low ovarian reserve, it could take double. It could take like, it could be two, three, four years before you get pregnant on your own. So I was just like, okay, well, I'm not waiting. You know, I didn't want to wait, but then I also got diagnosed with a blocked fallopian tube. So one of my fallopian tubes just is blocked. And so the the egg can't travel through to be fertilized or like implant or anything. So um, that was another sign that it might take a little longer for me to get pregnant. And I also had a polyp inside my womb that I had to get removed. So that could have been causing like implantation failure. So there was a kind of like, at least when I went and got my fertility testing, like I came back with reasons why it might not be working. And I know a lot of women don't get that luxury. It's like unexplained infertility, you know, like there's no reason why you're not getting pregnant. So Right. And how did you digest all of that? Like, how did you decide? Was it basically like, I don't want to wait this long. I want to go, you know, start the IVF process or like, how did you gather the information? Did you talk to people? Did you research online? I think the first thing was, is I talked to my doctors and they all recommend, I had two different doctors and um, they both recommended IVF instead of going through like IUI, which is in I can't, I don't even know what it's like intrauterine insemination. It's a little more natural way to get pregnant. And by natural, you're still taking medications you're still doing, but they just track your ovulation and 
your eggs, um, like when it's going to be released. And so I tried that at first because I wasn't ready for IVF. I was like, I was in denial. I was like, nope, I'm not doing IVF. That's where they inject like the, the sperm into you, right? And instead of yeah, doing so it. they'll like, they'll spin the sperm. They'll make sure it's like the strongest ones that survive. And then it's like a turkey baster basically. And they just inseminate the sperm um, as your egg is getting released. And so I tried that two times, but initially I was like, let's try three times. But my right ovary was always the dominant ovary. And that's where my fallopian tube is blocked. So I was just like, I could end up having ectopic pregnancies, which a lot of fertility clinics won't even do. Like the IUIs with somebody with a blocked fallopian tube because of the risk of ectopic pregnancies, which is life threatening. Mm -hmm. So like, I ended up trying it anyways, and there was no success. And then we were like, okay, well, do you want to try IVF? And I was like, I don't know. Like, it's something I really didn't want to do because A, it's very expensive and all the medications that you have to be on, like, I really just, I think I was like in denial that I had to do this to get pregnant. And so I think it, my husband and I, like, we went to San Diego, we took a little vacation and we're like, what are we going to do? And so I, I think on that trip, we just kind of got clarity, peace of mind that like, we're going to do IVF. And it was kind of the best route because he was leaving. Like I can't get pregnant without him. Right. So I think the best thing to do was to do IVF. And so after that trip, I came home and I started IVF and I've been very, I feel, um, very lucky that it worked on the first time. How long was he there for before he had to take off to go overseas? So he was there for all the IUIs. um, And then we froze some of his um, sperm just in case he wasn't going to be there for the IVF because we were cutting it real, real close. So we froze some samples just to have backups. And then in case I had to go through IVF again, because a lot of women end up not ending up with any eggs or any embryos after they go through it. So we just wanted to have some backup. So we froze some of his sperm and then, um, but he was able to give fresh sperm for our IVF, which I'm very thankful for. And then um, he left before I even like when I did my embryo transfer, he wasn't even here. Like he had to go back already. So I did, I did a lot of most of my injections and stuff on my own. Yeah. And he was there for it because you have videos of him like helping you and stuff with some of the injections. So he was there for a little bit and then. And then when they actually, yeah, he was there for my egg retrieval. Okay. And then when you actually yeah. like, did like, did the, tra- is it called a transfer? Yeah. So when we did there. the frozen embryo transfer, he wasn't there. Yeah. Okay. Was your sister able to be with you? Yes. Thank my, so my sister goes to Sweden for the summer. So it's like funny, our schedules are opposite. Um, so she goes to Europe for the summertime and she got back home, like I think three days before my embryo transfer. So she was able to be there for that. So I did a lot of the injections all by myself. If you were to say anything about IVF that you didn't know, or that you think would be helpful for someone to know about the process, what would it be? Like anything that comes to mind? I think to it, I was very, very intimidated with all the injections that you have to do with all the needles. Um, so I, I was very hesitant to, to do it because I was really scared. But I think overall, looking back on it, um, obviously it was worth it. I have my, be- I'm carrying my beautiful baby girl. Um, but I don't think it's as scary as I thought I hyped it up to be. It's really not that bad. I mean, obviously it's not fun. It's not something you want to go through, but ultimately like looking back, it really wasn't as scary as I thought it was going to be. 
did you find it was hard from like a hockey wife perspective on your mental health to not have Ola there for part of that process? Or did you feel like you're like, I got this, like you got to, you know, pump yourself up to do it or how did you I don't know? Like I, I maybe it was just, I honestly, when it comes to health and um, medical help, I do better when I'm on my own. Like I, mm. when I have kind of like the moral support, I get really like um, more emotional about it. Mm. Or like, if I know, like I, like if I had a hard day and I'm going to come home and like, I, I burst into tears because I see my husband or like my sister, like somebody you love, I'm almost stronger by myself. So I think, um, I mean, obviously if he was there, that would have been great, like fine. But like, I, I I felt like a badass doing the injections by myself. Like I, I honestly is very empowering to be able to do it by myself too. And knowing that like what, I, what I'm capable of. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's takes a strong person to go through that. All right, you guys, a hot topic that has always been and always will be in our hockey wives community is the topic of strollers. I firsthand can tell you that I have experienced the stress when trying to decide the perfect stroller for my family. When I first had my child, I got a single stroller. And then obviously when I got pregnant again, I had to upgrade to a double and I just could not find a stroller that I was like in love with. There was always just some sort of issue. And I started doing a lot of research and I heard about the Zoe brand and I am obsessed I ordered the stroller right before we came to Europe this year. So I got it back in December and it has honestly been a godsend. And I cannot believe how much more affordable it is than all of the other strollers that I've been buying. It's a side by side. And a lot of people think, okay, but how does that fit into the car? How does that get through European doorways? It is actually much smaller than any other stroller that I have owned in the past. And I actually wound up just ordering a single travel stroller for them as well because it fits in the overhead compartment in the plane, which is huge. We have a couple trips planned this summer, so I am going to be taking that probably for my youngest just so I can slide it above and be on my way. I know a lot of people get stressed about the strollers and I never recommend anything that I've not personally used or something that I don't personally love myself. And I swear by this stroller. It is just so easy to use, especially if you have a dog or two dogs like me. I can literally still push it with one hand. And it's so easy to fold up, fit in the car. So anyways, I just wanted to give a shout out to Zoe because I really love the brand. And I've been very impressed with their customer service as well. And they actually gave me a link for you guys to get $15 off your stroller if you wind up purchasing one. I'll put it in my bio and I'm also happy to answer any questions just because I know how overwhelming it is when deciding a stroller. So they have single strollers, double strollers, whatever you're searching for on the market and you will not regret it. All right, back to the episode. He, they did the injection. You got pregnant the first time. He was abroad. Did you wait to tell him until you flew overseas or did you tell him? absolutely not <laughs> no because he knew when my embryo transfer was and so we knew um that you know a few days after that we would get a positive or a negative and I'm not I definitely am not the type of person that can wait like I, I've never had I'm the person that buys a gift and and I can't wait for your birthday to give you the gift like you're getting I, it that same day like I, buy I am it. the same <laughs> I am the same I ruin every surprise of my own <laughs> because I can't hold it in. yeah 
Exactly. So, I mean, I, I never could have waited, but I think um, it was also it, such an emotional journey for me. And I'm not, I don't cry. Like I really, it takes a lot for me to cry. And I have never cried so much like than when I was going through fertility treatments, because I, I'll probably from all the hormones and stuff too, but like, I was just an emotional person the whole time. Yes. So I mean, too, like, I think just having that support from him as well. And I think he was struggling too, that he probably needed like, the positive news too, you know, so like, because I I think he saw how how much I was struggling, and it took a toll on him too. Right. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think it's like, that gets very dismissed, I feel like with the guy guys. And I feel like guys don't talk about that as much with like their friends and their family about like how they're feeling. So I feel like women have so much more of a support system with like hard issues like this. Whereas I don't know, like he could be really struggling with it, but not being as vocal about it as, as you would be. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it was just, it, if I was the one that, that was infertile, but I think it was hurting him probably just as much. It was hurting me to see me struggling so much to, be able to get pregnant for sure. Yeah. So did you tell him over FaceTime and did you just hold up a stick or did you tell him in a certain way? <laughs> so when I first, um, I, I was peeing on sticks every single day after I did the transfer. Cause I'm, I'm a type of, again, I cannot wait. I have to know. So I was peeing on sticks and I first got my first positive four days after our transfer, but I did not believe it. I was like, no, no, no. Like, certainly this can't be true. Like I'm going to wait for the blood work, um, which they won't do blood work until 10 days after the transfer. So I like, I told him and I, I was showing him the pregnancy test every day that I was taking, like they were getting darker and darker. And I, and my sister's like, you're totally pregnant. And I was like, no, I was like, this can't be. And so I was waiting for the blood work to even tell anyone other than my sister and my husband. And then the blood work came back positive. And I just remember calling him just being like, well, we're pregnant. And we were both just kind of like, I, I, we didn't cry. I was so over crying. Like there was no crying involved. We're just like, oh my gosh, like that's great news. But, but I was also very cautious, like remained cautiously hopeful because you still have to do the ultrasound, make sure that the stack is there. Like there were still so many other steps that we had to take to like confirm that this was like a real pregnancy. And like I said, like I've said on my Instagram before, like I thought at 12 weeks I was going to feel great and like be super positive and happy. But then at 15 weeks, I was still like, Oh, I don't know. This can't be real. And like now I'm 25 weeks and it's definitely, I have a belly now and it's like, it's starting to feel real. Like I'm going to have this baby, but I don't know if I'll believe it until she is in my arms, like healthy, happy, and safe. No, I feel like it's such an out of body experience. And like when they're born, you're like, how do you have a face? Like, how <laughs> are you inside of me with a face? Like, it just is so weird. It's and it, weird. It doesn't, it doesn't feel real until they're out. Like, you're like, oh, yeah, I was I, like, I feel like you forget you're pregnant sometimes when you're pregnant because you're just like, yeah, I, you know, honestly, I don't feel I've had such a knock on with such a wonderful, easy pregnancy besides heartburn. Um, I, so I'm like, some days I'm like, I I can't even believe I'm pregnant. I'm like, look down. I'm like, Oh my gosh, there's a belly here. Yes. That's really normal though, for women to feel that way. Like, like you said, okay. The first ultrasound, okay. 12 weeks. Okay. 16 weeks, but also like, I don't know about you, but social media can be so triggering. And sometimes you see things you don't want to see. And then you get, (laughs) you go on a spiral and then like, you can have a lot of like doubt, kind of taking other people's situations and like 
placing them as your own when it's not true. Like I remember something that you shared where you were saying it's okay when you're going, when you're struggling with fertility to unfollow people that are pregnant or that, you know, like people don't talk about that. That that can be very triggering for people that are having trouble conceiving. For sure. I mean, for me too, there, I even carry some sort of guilt because it worked for me on the first time, because I have a bunch of friends who haven't had that luxury of having success their first round of IVF. So even I, as somebody who has struggled with infertility, like I carry that guilt with me. And I know that there's other women who like get pregnant naturally. And they're like, they're scared to tell people who are, you know, struggling with infertility or, you know, they're, they're scared to announce it because they don't want to hurt people's feelings. So, I mean, I, I definitely think that's a hard, also hard thing to navigate, but I've had to block like a few words off of my Instagram or my TikTok because I don't want to see the negative videos because I'm really trying to stay in such a positive, like headspace during it all. So like, even like with birth stuff or like babies, like I, I, there's like certain words I have to block. Oh girl. I know. I know. It's, <laughs> and when you watch like 10 seconds of a video. Yeah. And then it all pops up. It all pops up. And then, yeah, you for sure the worst thing ever. And then you convince yourself, is this like a sign or something? And it's not, it's the algorithm, yeah. but yeah, it can be <laughs> sure as hell. Um, yeah. I mean, like I I'll post like positive affirmations on my Instagram, like reels or something, just like, cause sometimes I'll yeah. see something negative. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I need to put positive stuff out there. Yes. One question that a few people submitted was what is a way that you can support someone that's going through IVF? And I would love for you to elaborate on this as much as possible, because I think sometimes people don't know what to say or what to do. You know, they feel like they're going to say the wrong thing. 100%. I, so I, everybody is so different and, and every, you know, everybody's story is different. So, I mean, for me, it was, I found success and I had success with uh, IVF. And, you know, I, the, the hardest thing for me to hear was when people were trying, I know that they meant well, and they were trying to be nice to me. The hardest thing to hear is it'll happen when it happens, try not to stress or um, it's, it's um, divine timing, trust God's plan. Like those ones were hard for me to hear because I, I never understood why me, like, mm-hmm. so it was just kind of like, why, why could, why wouldn't I be able to get pregnant, you know, or why, why isn't this the right time? Um, so I think kind of steering away from, um, comments like that, that's probably a good start to support somebody (laughs) like going through infertility, (laughs) at least words wise. And also too, um, I think it's important for somebody who's like going, struggling with infertility. If you have a friend that's like pregnant, um, instead of hiding it from them, I think sending a text message, not calling them. Um, to announce your pregnancy because you never know how they're going to react. I'm like, like, look at me. I'm like hiding up. I'm like, I'm like, oh you okay? <laughs> you need to get anything. You're probably not used when to I, talking to another human that much. Like that's that's me. When like, I talk a lot, I I get into hives. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> on the phone with my parents last night, and I was talking like literally a million miles a minute, and I was like, mm-hmm. can you tell that I haven't had social interaction? And like, I get um, hot. Let me open my door. <laughs> no, even like I was talking to my sister the other day, we talked for two hours. I'm like, dude, I'm sweating. Like I gotta call you back. <laughs> but yeah, so um, getting back to um, how to how to tell somebody that you're pregnant. I think if it's a friend, like 
sending them a text. Like I had this one girlfriend, it was like the best way that she could have told me. She sent me a text message and she was just like, Hey, like, I don't know how to say this to you. Like, um, but like I were pregnant and, um, I just wanted to tell you over text message, please don't feel the need to respond to me right now. Like respond when you're ready. And she's like, if, if you want to talk about it, like I'm here to talk to you. So I think that was a really good way to do it instead of calling me and like so trying to surprise me with it. Um, and then it gave me some time to process it to myself. So I think that's always like a good start. Like if you are trying to tell somebody that, that's struggling with infertility, like how to share your news, mm-hmm. but also I don't think you should hide it because you don't want it to seem like you're avoiding telling them. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, did you feel like you were at that time that you were going through that, that you were connecting more with other women that also were going through similar struggles? I think um, I wanted to talk about it a lot. And I wanted to talk about it with people that had similar situations that I was in. So I felt like just like, even with my sister who doesn't struggle with infertility, I just wanted to talk about it. And I wanted to, and so just sitting there and listening, like having like a listening ear, I think is super important, even if it's not something like that's what friends are for, right? You can talk about the same thing over and over again, because it was my life at the time. And that's the only thing that it was consuming my thoughts. And so I think, you know, just being able to talk about it was really nice and like not feel not being judged or just having somebody listen. Um, so, I mean, if you have somebody like, like my mom or like my sister, like those were the two people I always turned to, or like I had a girlfriend who also, um, was going, went through IVF years before me. and She was also like a support system for me as well. Do you know anyone that was going through it at the same time as you? And you guys could kind of like lean on each other through the process. Yeah. I had a girlfriend who was also going through it, but she had been struggling for like five plus years. And so, but so it was also a sensitive subject for her too, you know? So it's like, I think for me, like the best thing to do was turn to family members, but I think there's probably like, or there's people like women on Instagram that I could connect with like that, or I'm sure there's support groups on Facebook and stuff too, where you can turn to, um, I, podcasting, like listening to podcasts, um, that was like the egg whisperer. She has an amazing podcast. I would just sit there and listen for hours and hours um, about all of the infertility stuff. There is like uh, Instagram accounts. I think there's like the infer. I have. I'll send it to you. Um, there were like. Um, I mean, I tried everything. I tried changing my diet. I cut out all of like everything that had to be BPA free. I changed all of my um, makeup, all of my hair care, skin care. I did it all. And like it, none of it, you know, when you're diagnosed with infertility, none of that's really going to help. That's so hard. I bet you felt like just so out of control that you're trying to be like, what can I do to like, what can I control? This? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then when like, it's not working, I just, yeah, that would be so tough because you're doing all the right things and it's, you know, there's nothing that you could have done. It was just a diagnosis that you right. need to receive to get the, the next steps. Um, right. Something that I find so odd is that people always ask you about what do I, I don't even know exactly how they say it, but just with your sister, like they're like, are you like jealous of her? Like yeah. all this stuff, like, because she had like a baby pretty naturally. Easily, right? Yeah. Naturally. Yeah. And 
it's something that you always like reshare on your stories and people ask you <laughs> questions and you're like, no, I'm not like, I love my nephew. And I don't know. It's like, it's not worded like that. You probably know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I think yeah. no matter you, how you get pregnant, I think babies are such a blessing to this world. Like seriously, after everything I've been through, I've realized how, what a miracle it is to actually get pregnant and to conceive. Yes. So I think no matter whether it's my sister or a friend or somebody on Instagram, like having a baby is such a blessing and it's, it's hard to, it's, of course it hurts. Um, when there's, when, whenever I was, I remember I would wake up, there was one time I woke up and I think it was like a week in a row, there was like a new pregnancy announcement. And it's really hard to see as somebody who really wants to be pregnant, but I like, I'm not, and I know everybody is different, but I'm not mad and I'm not. Like it's, it's like, I'm sad for myself, but I'm not yeah. mad at my sister for being able to get pregnant naturally, you know? Right. And like my nephew has been the light of my life. And he was like, he was helping me get through my infertility. Like he was such a positive little blessing in our lives. And like, I loved being there like to during the birth, during like his first three months of like, I was there for like the first three months during the summer, like just to be there and w- watch my sister be- become a mom and watch him grow. So no, like, it's so funny that people would think that I would be upset about that. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure it is hard though, to see like the announcements, but I think when it comes to like your, yeah. sister, I mean, it's okay if you do feel that way about a family member, but I just, I know right. I've always been really open and honest, like, no, that's not how I feel at all with my sister. Like I'm so happy about it. And yeah. Yeah. And I, I had a bunch of friends like get pregnant during that time of my infertility. And like, I, I was thrilled for them. Like, what, it, was it hard to see like other people get pregnant and, and ask myself why, why couldn't it be me too? Or why couldn't I be pregnant with all of them? Mm-hmm. That was really hard for me to accept, but it's, it was never like, oh, I'm so mad or I'm upset or like upset with them. Like it could never be upset with them. Yeah. I think like sharing about your story probably actually helps people stop asking you those insensitive questions. Mm-hmm. Of, when are you going to try to get pregnant? Cause you're like, I'm putting it out For there. Sure. We are trying to get pregnant and it's not working. So like that kind of was probably like, okay, guys, stop asking. This is what's going on. And then that way you're not having to get triggered by it because you're kind of just sharing with the world, like what's going on with you. Yeah. And I, but I didn't, I also didn't want people to feel sorry for me, but like that, obviously you tend to feel sorry for people who are struggling, but like, it was just like this, if this is my struggle in life, you know, this is, you know, I'm going to get through it no matter what. Um, so, I mean, I didn't want people to feel bad for me or like feel like they couldn't talk to me or, or tell me that they were getting pregnant also, you know? So that was another thing that I think was tricky for people. They're like, how do you talk to somebody or tell somebody that you're pregnant, but like, or like talk about babies and stuff without feeling guilty, like around them, or if they're talking about their kids in front of me, like, no, like I love kids. And like, I know I, I process things differently than maybe some other people like other people struggling with infertility do but I was always like always trying to be positive about it yeah I love that and fast forwarding to now you're are you 25 weeks pregnant yes I'm 25 weeks pregnant and I feel so pregnant oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) she's gonna keep growing and growing oh my gosh I know so how has your pregnancy been how are you feeling 
do you feel anxious? Do you feel like what, tell me everything. I think in the beginning I had a lot of anxiety, Mm -hmm. like the first 12 weeks were definitely filled with anxiety. Um, just wanting everything to be okay and wanting her to be okay. Um, I still have that anxiety. Like if I don't feel her moving, I'll like, I have a little Doppler here. Like I have to listen to her heartbeat. I'm like, I still like struggle and like, or I'll be like, Oh my gosh, we have to go get an ultrasound now. Like I'm, I'm freaking out. So, um, there's definitely like that anxiety, but overall, like, I feel very, very lucky that I've had such a nice pregnancy. Like I did have some nausea starting at 11 weeks, um, 11 to 17 weeks, I was kind of feeling sick. And like, I wasn't, I threw up a total of two times, but I was dry heaving and gagging so much. Like, and it was so loud and aggressive. It was so embarrassing. Like it would happen out of nowhere. And so I'd be like out in public gagging and people are probably like, well, oh my God, she's sick. Or like people were probably freaked out by me. But, but other than that, like I, I have had the first sign of pregnancy for me was heartburn, which is something I struggled with before pregnancy heartburn. And I actually was like on a medication for it. Like way before, like maybe when I was 21 years old, because yeah. I've struggled with heartburn my whole life. So now being pregnant, I, that's the one thing I've really struggled with. I, I started like, I think at six weeks, that was the first sign of pregnancy for me was the heartburn. Yeah. Interesting. I know. I think that we talked about this, how I was like, oh, maybe she has a lot of hair or something. Cause that's like an old wives tale <laughs> that they say. It's true with mine. So we'll see. <laughs> hey, we'll see. Well, knowing my luck, she'll, she'll be bald, but it's, it, she'll be cute bald. It's fine. <laughs> yes. How has the experience with the healthcare been in Finland? Honestly, the healthcare here is, is amazing. I mean, we pay out of pocket for everything. Even though my husband is from Finland, we still have to pay for everything, um, which is fine. It's like way cheaper than it would be back home anyways. But like, I feel like the doctor's appointments here, like they're like an hour plus long. Like they take such good care of you. They go through every single thing they do step-by-step. They, so it's, it's been good healthcare. It's just like the appointments are actually like really long. So I, that's something I I had to prepare myself for. Like our first appointment was two and a half hours long. Oh my gosh, this is crazy. Yeah. They're like writing everything down, like on a, on a paper. (laughs) I feel like I had to go through like all of my health history, all that stuff. And like, they, they ask you how you're doing mentally, what you think about the pregnancy. Then they ask the husband how he's doing, what he thinks about the pregnancy and all that stuff. So it's a, it's a long appointment, the first one, but like the ultrasounds are like 40 minutes long. They, they like take their time on every ultrasound. That's nice. I know. I remember like, cause I've obviously had both my kids abroad, but What's so different is in the U.S. you get like two ultrasounds throughout your whole pregnancy from what I've heard. But in Europe, they do it every time, which is amazing. Which is so funny because because I was considered high risk, I was getting lots of ultrasounds back home. So when I came here, they're like, oh, we only do two ultrasounds. So if you want to do more ultrasounds, you have to go to the private clinic. So we've been going to the private clinic here anyways, because they're actually cheaper for us since we're paying out of pocket. So I can go whenever I want to get an ultrasound. Okay. Well, that's cool. I know. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people do that anyways, too, back home. Like they'll just go to like a third party or you can do right. that. Will you do the 3D one to see like her? I am. 
Oh my God. When I get home, I'm going to do the HD one um, at 28 weeks. So I'm really excited because I, I mean, I am not the type of person. Again, I can't wait. I want to know what she's doing. Like, I want to kind of get an idea of what she's going to look like. <laughs> yeah. You're so funny. You're just like me. I do. I'm like, I can't wait. I have to know the no gender patience. immediately early, yeah. early uh, gender. Like I, I paid like some crazy amount to just find out at like eight weeks <laughs> what the gender of my child. Gonna, exactly. I have to know. Did you exactly. do, did you do the early, uh, gender reveal or did you wait till 12 weeks? So all my, all my embryos were genetically tested. So, um, the oh. gender was like, we already knew the gender of the babies. Oh my God, so, you but, did? <laughs> we knew what genders we, we had frozen. Um, it was something I was really hesitant to share. Um, because it's very controversial to pick the gender of the baby. Um, but we had mixed genders and we did decide what gender we were going to transfer, but it's something I've been very hesitant to share because I, it, people get upset when you can pick the gender. Why is that? I don't know. Cause you know, like naturally you can't decide. And so like, not it's like, honestly, I would have been happy with either gender. Honestly, okay. it would not have mattered at all. But like, if we had the chance to pick the gender, like I paid so much money, like I guess might as well. <laughs> I mean, I think so. I think I would do the exact same thing. Yeah. So, I, I haven't even shared that actually publicly that we picked the gender. Only my close family and friends know that. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Well, that's amazing. And so will you guys yeah. go through, I think you've shared that you guys want more kids. Will, do you have to go yeah. through that again? Or will you guys try to conceive naturally again? Or like how, like, what's your plan I guess so a lot of my friends that have gone through IVF end up getting pregnant naturally afterwards um maybe because the body knows now what to do blah 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 but we have two genetically you know tested embryos that are frozen and we've talked about it and I, I think we'll transfer one of our embryos after this like when we're ready I don't know if we'll I don't know if I have it in me to try naturally anymore like yeah. We have these two embryos, like might as well use them. And it almost would be sad, like to think, oh, we're just going to toss those embryos. Like those are our babies. Yeah. So it's something we've, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to see how I feel after this baby, but I think we will probably transfer one of our embryos after this. Yeah. And what are the genders? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep like, those. Not. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, before we wrap up the call, um, I just wanted to ask you if there's any advice, I know I already asked you that about IVF specifically, mm -hmm. but about anything, it could be pregnancy, IVF, trying to conceive to anyone that's going through a similar situation, what advice, motivation would you give them? And then after that, we're going to play like a little rapid fire question game mm -hmm. that I came up with. I think my biggest piece of advice, which is something that I wish I could have told myself sooner would be if you, even if you're young and you know, you want to be a mom or you want a family, like to have your fertility tested maybe before going into it, just so you can have, whether you need to start freezing your eggs, because I would have never guessed I had low ovarian reserve. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that maybe my mind could have been changed, or maybe I would have done something differently to start saving my eggs or freezing my eggs sooner. Um, Cause you just like, again, you never think it's going to be you. You never think it's going to happen to you. And there's super easy tests that you can take at home. Like you just prick your finger and um, you can get the results back. I think within like two weeks and they're 
more affordable than going to the fertility clinic, um, but you can get a lot of information from those. So I think that's my biggest piece of advice to women who are interested in starting a family. Maybe it, it doesn't have to be now, mm-hmm. but down the line, just so you can have an idea of what your fertility is. Mm-hmm. I just thought of another question. Sorry, not to go like back into it, but like, no, you're fine. You did. I don't know exactly. I'm not going to word this terminology, right. But when they pull like your eggs to, to mm-hmm. implant the embryos, do you have more like more that they could pull if you went through the IVF process again, or did they, do they mm-hmm. pull everything that you have? And they're like, okay, these are the three, like, is there a chance that if you wanted like six kids, for example, and you went through the process, mm-hmm. again, there's more eggs that they could, that might be a really stupid question. Mm-hmm. I, don't know. I just thought about no, it. No, no, listen, like I didn't know anything about IVF until I started doing it. I feel like I'm a fertility, like uh, I know everything about fertility now. <laughs> But they did ask me after I did my embryo, after they retrieved my eggs, if I wanted to go ahead and, and next cycle, do another one to start to store more eggs um, or embryos because um, I had, they, I had maybe, I think I had eight mature eggs and the chances of those getting fertilized and then going to PGT testing and making it were half. So maybe I would end up that my doctor guessed that I would only end up with one um, good embryo. And I ended up with three good embryos. So they're like, do you want to stock up on some more? And which is another way for them to make money, right? Because you have to pay for the egg retrieval all over again. That's so shitty. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do that again. Um, until I know how many PGTA normal embryos I have. So, um, and after I got three, they're like, do you want to transfer or do you want to do another egg retrieval? Cause you only have three. And I mean, like, cause you can transfer and then it can fail. So, I mean, then you would end up with two and then you go down and then you, then you'd have to start all over. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, you can, each time they can, it's going to be a different number that they retrieve from you probably every time you do an egg retrieval. You know, what's so wild is like the, some people implant like three embryos and then they split and they have like quadruplets. Could you? Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I could not. I was like, cause they won't even transfer, um, twins at my fertility clinic. Like they won't even transfer two embryos unless you've had multiple losses beforehand, because it's like, it just puts you at higher risk for, you know, just a lot of different things. So they will only transfer one embryo at a time. Okay. That's yeah. Well, yeah, I heard that even those <laughs> split too, right? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's more, probably more common because you're releasing multiple eggs in one cycle. And if, if they're inserting the sperm, like they can fertilize all the eggs that were released. So it's, I think it's more common in IUI than it is IVF. Oh my gosh. And then your (laughs) nephew and then your daughter will technically be half siblings because (laughs) your sister are identical. Yeah, technically. Yeah. And if I took a DNA test, I would come back as my nephew's mom. <laughs> That's insane. That is, I know it's like, it's not, I'm not his mother. Like, like my husband likes to remind let's, me that you are not, clarify, guys. <laughs> but, but like blood, blood related. Yeah. Our kids will be like half siblings versus cousins. <laughs> That's so wild. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, We're going to play a crazy. little, a little rapid fire question game. You can elaborate if you want, but it's just like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to shoot them at you. Okay. Biggest craving. Okay. What was that? Biggest craving. Uh, pregnant. Oh gosh. Anything sweet. Like I love, um, 
like candy, anything sweet, like um, cinnamon rolls, cookies, candy. I, I have addiction to cor- addiction to Oreos right now. Oreo is in milk. Oh, big Oreo girl right here too. Yeah. Okay. You already answered some of these. I was going to say, did you have a feeling if it was a boy or a girl? Stupid question. Obviously you do. <laughs> but some people like my neighbor did IVF and she was like, just put whatever one is like the, yeah, strongest the- one or whatever. So mm-hmm. they didn't know. So they found out. So I didn't know if you knew or not. Um, okay. Heartburn or no heartburn. You answered that. What are you most excited about for becoming a mom? I think literally everything. I think I'm most excited to meet her, of course, but my nephew's at this like stage right now where he kind of has a little bit of an attitude. And I always tell Ola, I'm like, I can't wait for our daughter to give you all the attitude. I think it's going to be so funny to see how he handles it. <laughs> yes. Little girls and dads are so sweet. Like it has changed my I husband. can't wait. It's yeah. Best. I'm so excited to see him become a dad. Yeah. Okay. What are you the most nervous about becoming a mom? Oh, I'm nervous to give birth. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, but I think I'm most nervous for the teenage um, phase, especially for <laughs> girls with social media and stuff. I think that's what I'm most nervous for, honestly. Fifteen years down the road. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, what part of birth are you most nervous about? Just like the not knowing everything, because you saw your sister. Everything. Yes, I watched her give birth. How was that for you? It was, um, honestly, she had a very, very good birth, but it's, it's traumatizing. Like, I, I don't know if it's because we're twins and we're so close to each other, but it, it was so hard to watch somebody that you care so much go through that. Cause, and I am in awe of women, like after watching that and you don't know until you know, no. <laughs> until you witness it and experience it live. Like I would have never guessed like, or thought like it, it, it's truly amazing. Like, and so, but it's not that she had a bad experience. I'm just like, she had such a wonderful experience. I'm nervous for like, could it be me that has the bad experience? Kind no. of? But birth is traumatic. Like it, I mean, it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be like a, like a trauma, even if you have a good birth, but it's like traumatic. Like it yeah. takes a toll on your body. Your hormones are this, you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, definitely. Will you have anyone in the room with you besides Ola? Um, I'm going to have uh, Ola, my mom, and my sister, and then a doula, probably. Oh, do you have one already? <laughs> I, I have a meeting. She's the doula that worked with my sister. So I haven't, I haven't worked with her yet because I've been over here, but I'm going to work with her once I get back to Vegas. Oh, that's, that'll be really great. What is your must-have pregnancy item that you can't live without? I don't, I don't have anything pregnancy. Yeah. I don't have any, I don't have like a pregnancy pillow. I don't have any besides don't? my, no, but I, I'm going to have one when I get back home, but here it's just, I've, I'm only here for three months. So I didn't want to like buy all this stuff that's going to, I'm going to end up tossing. Cause you know how it goes. You end up just tossing everything. So I don't have anything like pregnancy. So yeah, I guess candy. <laughs> that's fair. That's a fair answer. Yeah. Okay. Last one. And I think I already know the answer to this. Do you think you're someone that could wait to find out the gender for future babies to come? Like, could you go through, could you say, say you had two different genders for your next embryo? Could you say, put whichever one in, wait until the birth to find out the gender? Never. I will never be that person. (laughs) I don't know how people do that. 
I, I, I seriously respect people who do that. Like, that's so awesome. It's never going to be me. <laughs> me neither. Well, on that note, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your journey and fun thank little game you. and your pregnancy. I'm so excited for you and can't wait to keep following along and can't wait to see her face and hear her name. I, know. I can't wait. It's going to be the best. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun.